Asia Pacific currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. All groups of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. And welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday, the 12th of March. It's one minute past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle Hanna. And I'm Pierre Morrow. And uh, pleasure to be with you again as usual. And thanks a lot for Solidarity Breakfast for a, another interesting program. And uh, on today's uh, program, of course, before I say that, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Every week for the last, oh, I don't know how many years, over well over 20, 25 years we'll Before go. I was born, I think. That's right, <laughs> uh, young, young less. Um, but if you want to get in contact, we've got our, um, our website, awl.org.au. Also, we've on Facebook and Twitter. So you can get in touch with us on lots of ways. And, of course, we're going to have our usual roundup of labour news from the region. But also, we've got an interview in the second half of the program, Giselle. That's right. And I think on this day, the 12th of March, it's important to remember that this is in. International Women's Week Um, and of course International Women's Day was on Tuesday the 8th of March. So the interview we've got in the second part of the program is um, uh, an interview I conducted with Lisa Mazza who is a a Filipino woman from Gabriela in the Philippines. This year is the commemoration of 20 years of Gabriela in Australia although the organisation has existed for 31 years. Um, Lisa Mazza has also been um, nominated as one of the uh, someone who's going to stand in the elections in the Philippines um, later this year as a part of Gabriela and the um, Bayan party of the left of the Philippines. So that's the interview in the second part of the program. But of course, first up, news from around the region. We're going to kick off with a bit of a victory in India. A small victory, obviously. <laughs> can't can't count them too quickly, Pierre. <laughs> That's um, right. Uh, some Indi- Indian workers have won a settlement after 15 years against the infamous company Unilever. Almost 600 former workers of Hindustan Uni- Unilever who were employed at its thermometer factory in Kota Canal in Tamil Nadu have finally won their right, uh, their fight to receive compensation for their injuries and illnesses. One of the main components of thermometers is mercury, a highly toxic substance for humans. Unilever for decades dumped unused mercury in the surrounding lands where workers and their families lived. Since 2001, the workers and their supporters have waged a continuous struggle to force the company to accept responsibility. While a settlement has been reached, Unilever still needs to decontaminate the region. And of course, our comrades, uh, our comrades in Australia, have visited um, that particular site, met with the survivor groups, and uh, by all accounts, it's quite a horrific scene even to this day. That's right. And even though um, they've won compensation, of course, uh, the company still hasn't agreed to clean up the site so uh, 
15 years. As you said, a small victory, but it's continuing. Um, we go now go to Iran, where unfortunately, I uh, can't even claim it's a small victory. I think it's, it's a terrible bit of news that um, Mahmoud Langrudi, Mohammad Reza, Nick Najat, and Mehdi Bahululi, all members of the Iranian Teachers Trade Association, were sentenced early this week by the Islamic Revolutionary Court in Tehran to five years in jail. One of them, Mahmoud Langrudi, was already serving uh, a nine-year prison sentence, so he was already in jail, also for trade union activities. And these sentences are a result from last year that saw huge mobilizations by teachers in Iran. And these sentences are quite clear an attempt by the Iranian government to destroy this new activism. And just last week, another Labour activist, Reza Shahabi, which we've talked um, many times in the past, a bus driver Labour activist, was sentenced to an additional year in prison. He's already in prison as well. So not very good news from Iran, Giselle. Uh, Now looking at Syria, the recent partial cessation of hostilities in Syria and a pause in the bombing of civilian areas was seized by people to come out in the streets in demonstrations and protest actions. Hundreds of such actions were recorded over a few days. Almost all of these protests were by civilians who took up once again the slogans of the popular uprising of five years ago to demand the fall of the regime for dignity and freedom. These protests show that in spite of all the reactionary and imperialist interventions, the revolutionary process that started five years ago hasn't been crushed. And one would have to uh, tip our our collective heads to the people uh, in those um, civilian areas in in Syria. That's really a a real disaster, which is made worse by the refugee exodus, which is facing more and more problems. But um, we now um, jump... Uh, completely to another area, to um, to China, where growing inequality is fueling workers' anger. In the huge metropolis of Chongqing in southwest China, workers have increasingly been taking action to protest against wage arrears, low pay and working conditions. A new factor in workers' grievances has been the increasing widening gap between their pay and the salaries of their managers. In addition, the established enterprise unions are seen as useless and not much more than social clubs. I think this is um, interesting developments in China that we are seeing, the continual um, rise up of spontaneous and independent workers' organisations. And um, I think it's something to watch in the future. And in India, over 4,000 workers are employed at the Honda car plant in Tapukira, Rajasthan. Most are employed as contract workers. They receive low wages and face harsh working conditions. For this reason, workers have repeatedly tried to form their own union. In February of this year, their latest attempt was repressed by the police with over 100 workers injured and many arrested. The company's laid off all workers and has brought in a totally new workforce – this repression's only the latest to happen in India's automotive sector, which is characterised by brutal exploitation and union busting. Of course, those tactics we see right across the world, that idea of 
sacking an entire workforce and replacing them with an ununionised and uh, less organised or non-organised workforce in order to drive wages and conditions down. And in relation to that, that's right. And uh, in relation, I mean, I find that fascinating that the, the whole, really, if you look at it over the last few years, there's been huge struggles in the Indian automotive uh, industry and often, you know, haven't really been reported well. But just on that Honda dispute, I saw another link that basically said the company, yes, got rid of 3,500 workers, basically got the got in these high school graduates uh, that weren't really trained. And so to train them up, they're keeping them in the factories literally 24 hours a day. Um, it's just like shocking. Um, we go to our last uh, item for the, the, the week. Um, go to Japan, where at the end of February, unions in Japan launched a new campaign to raise the minimum wage by over 15, 50% to 1,500 yen per hour. In Japan, around 40% of the workforce is in, is in insecure employment arrangements, either employed as a casual, a subcontractor, or on a temporary contract. It is these workers especially that need a living wage and not a wage that keeps them in poverty as the present minimum wage does. I, I think, um, you know, we don't often hear about Japan, but the insecure work arrangement in Japan, especially affecting the young people, a bit like here. Yes, absolutely. And the labour movement there was smashed. So um, I think we're also starting to see a slow rebuilding of that. That's right. It's just on nine past nine o'clock here on Asia Pacific Current on 3CR Radio. We'll go to a couple of comedian announcements and then we'll be back with our feature interview. If People Powered Radio, an exhibition celebrating 40 years of 3CR. From the 18th of March till the 23rd of April, the exhibition will feature new work by contemporary artists, rare audio, 3CR ephemera, archival posters and photos, live on-site broadcasts and music events. Come along to the opening night, Friday, March 18th from 6pm at Gertrude Contemporary Art Gallery, 200 Gertrude Street, Fitzroy. For more information, visit the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. You're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. Give money back to the people that give music to you. Eleven minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents. Uh, next up is an interview I conducted with Lisa Mazza, and she is one of uh, the leaders of Gabriella in the Philippines. She was visiting Australia recently to commemorate 20 years of Gabriella in this country, Gabriella being an exclusive feminist organisation of the Philippines and Filipino women abroad. We start this discussion by looking at the Trans-Pacific Partnership and the all but a fait accompli in the Philippines that they will sign on to that agreement. The Trans-Pacific Partnership has been approved by the by the uh, initial countries uh, last February of this year. So uh, it is a regulatory and investment uh, agreement. Uh, it is expected that the last vestiges of... Uh, of um, protection, protectionist barriers from the different countries um, 
that that are part that are signatory to the agreement will be you know removed so there are also other other provisions uh, that uh, that uh, put the private corporations or the multinational corporations at par with the state you know so it, without um um, regulations, so to speak. They cannot be regulated by the state. So there are provisions in the TPPA uh, that uh, enshrined this, uh, this economic policies. Uh, in relation to the Philippines, we are not yet a part of the TPPA. But, uh, but our government, the Aquino government, wants to be a part of it. But already right now, even if you are not yet a part of... Uh, of the um, of the TPP, we are already uh, there are already moves like legislations being being enacted that would uh, that would make us compliant with the TPP. Like for example, uh, there is a, a new law. It's called free competition law, which is not really free competition, but it puts the it is uh, meant to regulate the government-owned and controlled corporations in such that, for example, the government cannot just increase the wages or the salaries of government employees because that will be disadvantageous to the private companies because they want you know to have the same salaries and the government cannot subsidize or the government cannot, um, cannot as I've said, inc- just increase the salaries because that will be uh, detrimental uh, or disadvantageous to private corporations. So that's the real essence of this free competition law, to have the corporations of the same status with with the government in that way. Our country has always been an export-oriented, import-dependent economy. We have... uh, um, we are um, essentially an agricultural country. Uh, the majority of our people are in the rural areas. Uh, we have um, um, industries or corporation manufacturing sector. The manufacturing sector are situated in the industrial enclaves, and they are mainly producing for export. No? So in our agricultural sector, the farmers who till their own land, do till the land, don't own the land. So uh, they are either a ten- in a tenancy arrangement with the landowners or they are agricultural workers. If they are agricultural workers, their wages are very low, um, lower than the mandated minimum wage. So the, in, the, uh, in the manufacturing sector, the workers are are working in these uh, multinational corporations in export processing zones or in very small um, small manufacturing fact you know manufacturing corporations and they also receive uh, low wages uh, forty four out of one hundred workers in the Philippines are contractual workers. For women, this is even higher. 
uh, actually the bulk of our workers are in the service sectors. So our manufacturing and our agricultural sector has been, you know, contracting. And uh, and um, and many are now the, the bulk of our workers are in the service sector where they are also contractuals. You know, like one of the um, shopping areas, biggest shopping shopping mall, uh, owned by the richest. Uh, family, Henry C. This shopping mall is called the Shoe Mart, and most of their workers are contractuals. Uh, the shopping mall has, you know, everywhere, every major city in, in the Philippines have a branch in of, of this Shoe Mart. So that's how, um, that's where the working class uh, people are. For the women, about uh, 49% uh, are in the labor force. The labor force participation rate of women is 49%, which means uh, uh, immediately, you know, about 50% are not in the labor force. So in addition to about 3 million women who are unemployed and underemployed, so you will see that the bulk of the reserve army of unemployed are women you know, and they are able, because of this large um, unemployed, they are able to bring down the wages of the whole working class. You know? So uh, in relation to the wages, the wages is about not only, well, the standard of uh, the cost of living is about 1,000 pesos, but the wages is only about half or less than half of the um, of the standard cost of living, so you can see that um, that the reason why I was uh, saying earlier that uh, the poverty rate is very high, and also um, we talk of privatization of utilities and public services, like for example our our water and electricity have been privatized, and when they go to private hands, of course. The orientation of uh, private corporations is for profit, not for public service. That is why the price of our water and electricity, transportation, they have gone, you know, uh, up, and uh, as well as the cost of rent. The cost of rent is, you know, is um, is maybe two thirds of the average salary salary a month. That's why there are many who, who cannot, you know, who are squatters or informal settlers. And then we talk of education, which is also being privatized. So these are the, the problems, although they are saying that under the present administration of, uh, of, uh, of Noy Noy Aquino, the gross domestic product has gone up to about 5 or 7%. But this is not an inclusive growth because in spite the increase in the gross domestic product, the unemployment is the highest uh, recorded uh, in, in history. So 
the increase in our in our wealth you know just goes to the to the 50% 50 richest families whereas the majority the large majority we can say the 99% of the filipinos still live in poverty and hunger so that's that's the situation and that is also the reason why um there are many who are joining organizations such as Cabrela, such as Bayan, or or Migrante, because uh, of this uh, situation that we are in. You mentioned Migrante, which of course is um, a Filipino uh, solidarity organization working and organizing Filipino expatriates mm-hmm. in um in many, many countries across the world, which uh, reminds me of another major issue facing the working class in the Philippines, which is the export of workers. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Well, actually, the the labor, labor export policy can be traced back during the um, Marcos time, during the time of the dictator in the 70s, when there was... Uh, uh, um, increasing number of unemployed, and they saw that, you know, okay, we can deploy our unemployed workers to other countries. So during the time of Marcos, they started to uh, systematically export our workers. And it uh, went on, and uh, to some extent, it has become a solution you know, for unemployment in our own country. So because having all this unemployed in our country would be like a social volcano, you know, that is uh, that would erupt any time. So in order to ease that up, you know, they started to export workers. And in the 80s and 90s, more and more women um, also go abroad to work. And of course, we know that Many, especially for women, many are, you know, domestic workers uh, working in the so-called dirty, dangerous, uh, you know, dehumanizing work. So, so and also, this uh, policy also became a gateway to trafficking in women, you know, for labor, for forced labor, or for prostitution, uh, etc. So um, the remittances of our overseas Filipino workers is what, you know, keep the economy afloat. Because as I have mentioned earlier, we are not the the real economy, which means agri- our agriculture sector and our manufacturing sector are not, you know, expanding and as a matter of fact, contracting but in order to compensate for that, the remittances uh, through the labor expert policy is the one that, you know, that fill up government coffers, so to speak, which is non-sustainable because we know that, uh, like, for example, in the Middle East right now, the overseas Filipino workers in, in Saudi Arabia are returning uh, because of the... Um, the uh, decrease in 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 oil 
production and the decrease in prices of oil. Uh, you know, the uh, companies in the Middle East are closing, and the Filipinos who are employed there find themselves without work. So this is one of the recent problems that uh, that are being encountered by our OFWs in the Middle East. Right, gentlemen. This panel is now on air. In July 1976, from an old warehouse in High Street, Armadale, 3CR Community Radio hit the airwaves, heralding 40 years of independent, community-owned and controlled radio. This will be the first station owned and operated by a cooperative of community organisations on a Melbourne-wide basis. This is 3CR. As the status quo of old media is challenged, as publications come and go, in a country with the highest concentration of media ownership in the world, 3CR continues to broadcast radical, insightful radio 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're not talking about land rights, we're talking about sovereignty. That's why it's important for us to be at the 10 Embassy. From the protests against the Franklin River Dam to the 1998 waterfront dispute, from the east-west tunnel picket to the Aboriginal 10 Embassy, the history of 3CR is dynamic and passionate and ongoing. I was born here. I will die here. I am not moving. So as we celebrate 40 years in 2016, we ask you, our volunteers, listeners and supporters, to join in in saying... Happy birthday, 3CR. Yes, happy birthday, 3CR, indeed. 26 minutes past 9 o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents. That feature interview that you were just listening to was Lisa Mazza. She is from Gabriella, Philippines, and was recently visiting Australia in International Women's Week and to commemorate 20 years of Gabriella in Australia. And, um, yeah, look, it's very interesting. I mean, just to, uh, given that it's happy birthday 3CR and 3CR is 40 years old. Old, um, Older than me, Pierre. That's correct, but younger than me. Um, (laughs) And which is almost as uh, old as, um, AWN is only a few years uh, younger than than that. And I was just going to say, talking about the Philippines, is um, the Philippines, I think the the region around the Philippines and workers' issues about the the, the second uh, region that we ever started work on back in the late 1980s, so uh, or mid 1980s. So, Ada has got a very long tradition of working with um, workers and liberation struggles in in the Philippines, and uh, so you know, and there's been um, great heroes there and uh, terrible repression as well. So it's always been uh, been good. But lots of um, lots of fallen heroes. Let's not forget the um, Stop the Killings campaign, which really did come out of the repression of Filipino activists that were being murdered by the state. That's right. Unfortunately, it does have a very long history of of uh, trade union repression. The 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 Philippines and and you know the names are, are just way too many. Unfortunately, to to remember, but they're still going. So our collective heads 
go off to them. Um, that's really the end of the program. We've actually got uh, about, uh, we don't usually finish about a minute early, Giselle. What's happened today? Um, but I'm sure there's something we I can I know. Talk. I've obviously suppressed you. All of those years of battering you while we've been on air together have finally paid off, listeners. I, I think that's that. I think that is terrible what you're saying, Joe, because this is, of course, um, part of uh, International Women's Day week. And yes, so you, you know. I, I, it's completely consistent in my view. <laughs> uh, but we will be back, listeners, next Saturday from nine o'clock with more news and current affairs from the Asia Pacific region. Of course, don't forget you can find us on the web, all the w's.aawl.org.au. We're on Facebook and Twitter as well, and we'll continue to post news and current affairs across the week. Um, uh, in terms of what's happening in the labour movement in Asia. And, of course, we'd always like to hear feedback from you. So if you've got more stories and uh, or if you want comments, um, please uh, let us know and um, we'll do our best to uh, respond uh, in, in comprehend and, and incorporate. Coming up next is Palestine Remembered. Thanks for listening. I'm Giselle. And I'm Pierre Morrow. See you next week. 3CR programs provide information and analysis you won't hear in the mainstream. Today we'll be looking at the legacy of the US war on Vietnam on Laos. And as far as corporate capitalism is concerned, it is the worst political and economic system that you can have. Our laws about jailing refugees and asylum seekers are so well crafted. Sex is not irrelevant and we like who we are, but we don't have to be imprisoned by our gender. Become a subscriber today. Call us on 9419 8377 or visit 3cr.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.